Thanks for joining us for our second episode with Joseph Scrimshaw. That'll start playing in just a second. I just wanted to give everybody a heads up here that we do have a live show coming up here in Los Angeles at Improv Olympic at IO West. Uh, it's August 2nd. It's a Sunday at 2 p.m. It's a live tribute to Robin Williams with Rick Overton, who's a great character actor. He's a very good friend of Robin's, as well as Jamie Costa, whose video impression of Robin Williams in all these different parts just, do, just went viral. It's amazing and fantastic and really a wonderful tribute, as well as Josiah Elliott, who uh, you'll remember was uh, on the show a few weeks back and she's hilarious and a big fan of robin's as well tickets are 10 bucks a piece they're free if you're already part of the festival uh just go to stolendress.com uh the events there's a live shows up there uh or go to facebook.com and uh search for robin williams comedy on vinyl or just go to comedy on vinyl on facebook uh the event uh link is on there thanks so much <laughs> It's easy to grin when your ship comes in And life is a happy lot But the man who's worthwhile Is the man who can smile When his shorts creep up in a knot I got an aunt named Minnie, weighs 264. When she sits on a chair, there's so much of her there, most of her sits on the floor. Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1963. The album is The Next One Will Kill You, and the artist is Maury Amsterdam. That's right, Maury Amsterdam from The Dick Van Dyke Show. My guest is Joseph Scrimshaw again. Thank you for being here again. Absolutely, I'm thrilled. Um, so we did it differently this time. Norm- you, normally we pick, like last time, pick something that influenced us. You pick something out of my collection that looked weird that neither of us had listened to. <laughs> yes. Uh, turns out this is his second album in the same year. Uh, this one's easier to find. Let's just go first impression. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of knew what I was getting into with yeah. Mario Amsterdam. And sure. that it would be that very fast rat-a-tat-tat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was for sure going to be some sort of, you know, traditional mid-20th century ethnic humor. Uh-huh. Uh, or humor about different ethnicities and whatnot. Sure, uh, sure. I didn't expect... That it was a musical album. I know, I know. I, I <laughs> not at all live. Uh, right. I, yeah. I should have looked closer because, like, I had the back of it. I could have just looked, but I, I really had no idea what to expect. So I'm recording it, and last night, and I heard the other night, I'm just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Not knowing that he was apparently quite a quite an accomplished songwriter. I, I wish I'd known that. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, that was a part of his shtick. Yeah. In, in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really. A couple times he sort of sings. Like yes. let's uh, let's go track by track. Let's 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 start out and see how much we both remember about either of these songs. Because yeah. the big the 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 trouble with it is going to be like there's so many jokes. Like saying what's your favorite bit would be very hard. Yeah, I wrote down a couple that oh, like good, struck good, good. me in each track. That's awesome. So the first one is Yucca Puck. That is what it is called, <laughs> Yucca Puck. Yeah, which. You couldn't do you couldn't do nowadays because it makes people just what the fuck does that mean? It's a, yeah, it's a that. novelty song. Yeah, and I think some of our pop songs are kind of like novelty songs, but sure. sexy. Yeah. Like you can say any ridiculous thing. Yeah, as long as it is somehow related to sex. That's true. <laughs> that is true. If Yakapak, well, if it was simply Yakapak, Yakapak, yeah, then then it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but Yakapak was. Uh, yeah, I read somewhere. Mm-hmm. I I tried to look up a little bit what this album was because once uh, it yep. started, and I realized, oh, it's musical and there's not an audience interesting right uh and i I found like a couple of like kind of collectors places that had a bunch of old albums Mm -hmm. uh and it talked about how yuckapuck was his classic song that's he opens with his signature bit oh my god oh my god (laughs) how do you well it's like i mean one thing is like i want to know how big of of a set like a how big of a stage show he would put on there's a lot of dudes singing in this it's a big number yeah right yeah unless it would just be him going yakapak like for like i think it was pretty standard in in sort of vaudeville era that you'd always have a band around like i mean i think there's so many comedians who are like yeah and this is my band leader that's true which is like so foreign to us now sure that it's sort of like 
anywhere where there's a red curtain behind you, you can go do stand-up. The idea that you kind of always have an orchestra around. You're right, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, you, I, you I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought about that. Um, yeah, it's got... Uh, it's this weird mix of, like like you said, it's novelty pop mid-century stuff with fucking like Catskill shtick up the asshole. Yes. Which I love. I really actually love that. Yeah. It's a weird combination. Yeah, I love some of it uh, sincerely and some Mm -hmm. of it in a sort of uh, meta level. Of course. Of course you you have to. You know the perspective of centuries? Uh Not centuries. (laughs) Decades. (laughs) That's a Freudian slip. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like centuries. Yeah, a little bit. I'm just grabbing the record for those at home because I think it actually gives me... Does it give me? Yeah. Okay. Good. That's why I wanted to talk about it because the length of some of these things is worth discussing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything in Yucca Puck? Let's 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 that stood out to you. Uh, n- no. <laughs> during Yucca Puck, I was just in shock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was concerned that the whole album was going to be like it because it's it doesn't have any sort of cohesive theme. It's just sure. sort of uh, random one-liners some yeah. good some awful some, some dated awful, yeah. mm-hmm. uh and then a very weird nonsensical chorus so i kind of <laughs> thought like is i don't this whole album's like 35 minutes but right. this is going to be just too surreal and i'll have to take it in chunks <laughs> uh-huh. and then the fact i think that the other tracks are on a theme made them easier for right. me to kind of okay. get into and process mm-hmm. emotionally <laughs> and intellectually it actually makes me think of what is the name okay we're, i'm gonna be going if, for those of you who don't know maury amsterdam uh was known as uh, what, what was what was his nickname i'm sorry he was the human joke human machine. joke machine that's what yeah. they called him uh and he was written that way on the dick van dyke show he played buddy sorrell uh, one of the head writers on the dick van uh, on the the, the alan fictional, brady show yeah. on dick van dyke um so picture that guy singing. Give it a second. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, yeah, there's those moments where like, oh, he can sing. Uh-huh. Oh, in those three notes. And then after that, he's just sort of like speak singing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that was such a weird and common thing that I kind of feel sad that has left our culture that mm-hmm. if you're successful in any other medium, you also needed an album of standards. <gasps> right. Or yes. novelty songs. Sure, sure, standards sure. Standards or novelty songs. Like that's a good point. Like the Joe Webb one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There, I always make the ar- well, not always, but a lot of times make the argument. I'm like, listen to this or look at this. This guy, he was known for being a comedian, but like he could have fallen back on his wonderful this skill or wonderful that skill. Yeah. Maury Amsterdam could not have fallen back on comedy, but that w- or, or on music, but that re- that's part of the charm of it, of course. Yeah, but I think like, it's that holdover of vaudeville of like everybody's a song and dance band. Yeah, because you do your shtick, but then sure. at the end of the show, you sing and dance with everybody, whether right. you can or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's like the commitment to that is his charm. I mean, he's this little guy. I mean, like, he really just comes across as like I don't imagine the character he plays on Dick Van Dyke was all that far from who he was. It couldn't have been, right? No, you know? no. But that was what was interesting to me about this album, in, in particular, like, Yucca Puck being a signature bit. Uh-huh. On the show, he is portrayed as a guy who, like, I don't really have any stake or opinion or anything. I just have a joke for anything. Yes. So I'm just your utility man. Mm-hmm. So the idea that he would have something that's like, no, this is the truth of my heart that I want to share with you through mm-hmm. comedy. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And I actually, what I didn't look at is... To be sure, I'm assuming the assumption is that he wrote all the lyrics because, and, and most of the songs. That is my assumption, not just performer because he's not a performer yeah. per se. Um, because if you, you go into his history, I don't know if you. I did not know he wrote the song. Well, sort of wrote the song "Rum and Coca Cola." Yeah, which he eventually got sued by the original <laughs> lyricist. Who do you know? That did you see the name of the the guy who originally wrote the song? No, I didn't. The man has the most amazing name on the planet. First of all, guys, great song. Uh, it's a, made famous by the Andrews Sisters. He's credited credited as the lyricist. Got sued because it's based off a uh, a calypso song by a gentleman named. Lord Invader. Not kidding. This is in the 40s. The man's name is Lord Invader. He's my hero for for having a like a 1980s video game name in the 40s. So there is actually a lawsuit. Lord Invader versus Maury Amsterdam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and somehow Maury Amsterdam kind of won. He kind of won because he kept the publishing rights. Yeah. So the guy got a chunk of money. But so yeah, well-known lyricist before he did anything. Before he had a radio show and a TV show later on. Um, did you ever see the Dick Van Dyke show where there, I feel like Dick Van Dyke's character, I feel like Rob writes his own novelty song. That sounds familiar. I haven't watched Uh, Dick Van Dyke in years. That's what it is, actually. Now, the, it's not Bupkis. Maybe it is Bupkis. Oh, Is it Bupkis? Yeah. But he co-wrote it with a guy in the army. It's interesting that parallels it. He co-wrote it with a guy in the army, and, uh, he goes off to sue the guy 
because that guy's making all the money off the right. song. Because he hears it on the radio, and he's like, how the hell do I know this? So that's that's why this is all coming back to me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so there's a novelty song, a whole plot on it. One of my favorite <laughs> episodes. Um, so anyway, that's that's uh, that's your Yuckapuck slash uh, rum and coke uh, story. I feel like those two came together to make that. I Okay, so then... If you don't mind moving on to the next no, please, one, please. only because it, first, it's called My Psychiatrist Says. Series of jokes about about being about shrinks. A lot it is of jokes. Six minutes and forty nine seconds long. <laughs> a novelty song that is seven minutes long. Yeah. It takes up this much of the vinyl. Like <laughs> holy, sh- it's half of this side of the album. Yeah. There's some good stuff in it though. Yeah, there is. You know. Uh, yeah, it starts with just utterly unconnected, just one my psychiatrist says joke after the other. Right. But then it gets a little bit more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm fascinated with how much that was a go-to joke at that time. Yeah. Uh, in a way, it seems to me like, you know, not a lot of real issues are being discussed. Sure. But they're being alluded to by the fact that everybody has a psychiatrist. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, at the time, I mean. Was, I guess it was at this point finally becoming not just acceptable, but almost hip to have a shrink. Yes. You know, my analyst, they would say. or But he says my psychiatrist in this. But, you know, it was finally becoming acceptable, but it's still like, I'm not going to talk about anything anybody would actually talk about necessarily. Yeah, it's... kind of hinting at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the idea that, uh, well, not the idea, the reality that Freud is just name-checked, because I was, <laughs> I was thinking about Freud. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Freud wrote about comedy theory and he broke jokes into innocent versus tendentious like wordplay silly uh-huh. things being innocent mm-hmm. which you kind of think like that's what more amsterdam is going to sure, be sure just kind of meaningless inversions of logic that you don't see coming mm-hmm. that are just funny uh and then freud called other jokes basically all of the jokes tendentious mm-hmm. in that they were packages for meaning okay okay uh, in that they were a safe way to say something that you could not just say outright but you can say in the form of a joke <laughs> Anybody who goes to a psychiatrist should have their head examined. A psychiatrist is the last person you talk to before you start talking to yourself. That's why whenever I go to my psychiatrist, I have half a mind. You know, I think that's why I go. My psychiatrist says that people who live in glass houses might as well get up and answer the doorbell. My psychiatrist also says you should never drink while driving. Pull over, drink, then drive. In fact, my psychiatrist says a lot of things. For instance, my psychiatrist says that everything means something. My psychiatrist says that no one thing means one thing. Like if some night you dream that you're a great big redwood tree and someone hits you with an axe, it means you've got a split personality. But I was always thinking about that when I was listening to the psychiatrist track because Mm -hmm. Maury Amsterdam should be safe little innocent jokes right uh but so much which is like almost saying something Mm -hmm. and later on the album just blatantly saying some fairly horrible things yeah oh oh yeah 100 percent he it also uh that he named checks freud is interesting because in the album before this each track listing is the name of one historically famous person so i don't know if there's sketches about them or songs about them one of them is freud okay and that was just one of the people who shows up do you have so, that album i don't okay well, and i, I have track I, that one down yeah, on the internet I, somehow absolutely i need to find it it seems like that one's rarer there's not even pictures of it online okay this one you can find and i don't know if this got more exposure or what so 63 i don't know what year this was into the show uh, I mean, oh. Dick Van Dyke's on the back. You should know yeah. that. Dick Van Dyke's somebody's drawn on the the the, the plastic. They've given him an actual a, a nice Van little, Dyke, right? Yeah, yeah, they really have. That's a very <laughs> good point. Um, yeah, so, uh, would, were there any jokes that that you? Because again, you might have had more opportunity the one, to write those down. The one that jumped out to me is uh, he's talking about things that he's described to his psychiatrist, and this sort of comes out of the blue. He says, "A woman shoots her husband with a bow and arrow. She didn't want to wake the kids." <laughs> which is on one hand just like a dumb surprise joke but sure. the other one is like of course that's what america is dealing with the fact that spouses want to murder each other yeah and yeah like, you know it's in a like an escalation of take my wife please yeah, yeah, yeah. To that like hey of course we want to murder each other <laughs> and the idea that sort of that there was that much dysfunction and mm-hmm. repression right that the only way you could express it is in a novelty song yeah <laughs> there's so much just so much regret associated with 
what we now mostly associate with romance. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially like I can use you as an example. Uh, I mean, just listening to your the album that you gave me, uh, Flawfest is fantastic. Oh, thank you. Uh, and like the what's great about it is like every time you talk about your wife in it, even if it's something like sad or tragic or interesting like that, uh, maybe it's very sweet and romantic. That's Aww. that's how marriage comes across in your comedy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In the 21st century, but then it's so. Yeah. Like, it was just sort of this, like, wink, wink, nod, nod. Of course sure. it's horrible, you know? Sure, right, right. It's like having diarrhea. It's just sort of like, it's awful. It's just everybody knows that. It's yeah. had, yeah, yeah, which is very weird. The accepted reality of marriage, which still exists in places. I noticed yes. that. Like, if you have friends from back home on Facebook who everyone's is like, why are you still living that life? You know you have options, right? Yeah. Like, you're on the internet. You know the world's a lot smaller <laughs> now. You have options, like, you have other worldviews you can look at. So it scares me. Yeah. And there's still plenty of very successful comedians who are like you know, oh, yeah. men like this, women are like this, and I think 100%. that's the sort of you know great grandchild of that yeah. sort of joke. But it's a different thing because it's not the battle of the sexes mm-hmm. so much as it's just it's awful to be married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's upsetting. Uh, yeah, and there's the a thing, little more of that later too. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, yeah, there's definitely more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that when I looked up uh, the sort of rare record collectors review mm-hmm. of this album, they said, of course it's all clean and family friendly. <laughs> and I had just been looking at that when this line came up about the woman is going to shoot the husband with a bow and arrow oh so the kids don't hear. Mm-hmm. And like that idea that this was squeaky clean and family friendly at the time. Yeah, I guess so, right? Like you, you could sit around and listen because you weren't listening to Red Fox. You'd be listening to cute little Maury Amsterdam yeah. talking about murder. <laughs> Good God. Like I, and the th- but at the same time, there's some great charm in the darkness and the fact that like he's like, I'm going to make this joke and it's coming for me and isn't that cute? But there's like, it's also like, just like, holy fuck that this is a, an undercurrent. Yeah. Is, like you said, it's is just accepted as fact. Yeah. And there's nothing really in any of these tracks where I feel like this is what he really thinks. Sure, of course. Yeah. It feels like there's, there's no way you could figure out who the real Maury Amsterdam is other than a guy who really likes jokes mm-hmm. and has amazing delivery and is, yeah. you know, well traveled and war weary mm-hmm. is a comedian. But nope, I don't. I don't perceive any perspective that he wanted to share with the world. No, no, no. Yeah, definitely. Not. It's just anything for a laugh. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so if this is '63, we're talking. I don't. I didn't. Couldn't find a month. So this is around the same time as First Family. So I think my. I'm curious. I'm curious why two albums in 1963, number one, and then I'm curious if the first one came out right before the first family. He's like, "Oh fuck, we need to make another album." <laughs> now this one's so famous. Let's do this quick and like, because that's kind of how it feels. Because around that same time, you know, it's just a boom. This is the beginning of the boom. Yeah. Uh, so my assumption, and I've Dick Van Dyke, to the best of my knowledge, never released one. I almost want to see if Rosemary ever released one, because I mean, she was a singer before. Yeah. But like, I guess he's the most. He's the most obvious choice for somebody who would make this kind of album. By the way, the cover is fantastic. Yes, it this is. gorgeous great. Technicolor-looking him standing in front of a dart one, dartboard with a dart that's just barely missed killing. Yeah, him. which is also a, a bit of a reference to Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, good point. And it's uh, 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 the name of the record label is Roulette. Oh, wait, is that the name of the album, record label or yeah. not? Because it is. Okay, there we go. Yes, so Roulette released uh, a bunch of very weird-looking uh, albums. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, God, yeah, I want to know more about this and the history of it. I, like I said, I, I was telling you when you walked up, I, I left a, a voicemail with his son because I, I want to know more about who Maury Amsterdam really was. And right, and what he... This is the type kind of period, though, where you didn't really necessarily know who your parents were, so yeah. maybe maybe we'll learn nothing, but, you know, <laughs> who um, Yeah, he might have had a great marriage. He could have. You know, he could have. Who knows? Um... So, so, anyway, seven minutes. Like I was, I was literally. I re-listened to this as I was cleaning before you came over. Okay. And so I'm vacuuming, vacuuming, which takes a while. I'm done <laughs> with vacuuming. It's still playing. My psychiatrist. Yeah, says. my psychiatrist <laughs> says. Um. So obviously, uh, okay. So next, now, if you want, we're oh, gonna yeah. move on to Big Molly O'Toole. Oh please. Big Molly O'Toole. <laughs> is, uh, and uh, we don't really need to notate times. Is that uh, they're all about three minutes long? Although, do yeah, there's another one. There's Two another, on the other side. Another long, long, long one on the uh-huh. other side. I liked a lot. Uh, yeah, but Big Molly O'Toole is, I think most people could guess from the title, exactly what it is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Were you surprised at all? Uh, no, not at all. Not from, I mean, you know, it's it's accent work. Totally, totally typical of what yeah. you would expect. Uh, 
misogynist and not anti-Irish, but definitely dealing with some stereotypes. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> it's weird for me, like at that point in time where I think uh, we were far more aware of the ethnicities of Caucasian people sure. and their cultures. Sure. And that was just a part of comedy mm -hmm. for sure. But I think also right around like the 50s and 60s, once like uh, there was a lot more airplane travel, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of albums that are divided up by world traveling. Yeah. Or yeah. like, you know, Dean Martin has an album where he it's all, you know, Spanish and then he has one that's all French. Sure, sure, you know? sure. And I think Sinatra kinda of broke the seal on Come Fly With Me where each Oh yeah. Huh? Each song is about a different place that you could fly to. Mm-hmm. Uh, on TWA. Mm -hmm. So I when I was listening to this it kinda of felt like the comedy version of it where you like know. from a modern perspective it just feels like I'm gonna take a crap on the Irish. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but but in context of the time it seems like he's doing a little bit of that of like, well what are the genres that are popular. I'm going to yeah. do a pastiche of every genre. Yeah. You know, and so this is my funny Irish song about, sure. you know, an obese Irish woman mm -hmm. that I have to marry because mm -hmm. she hits me and is <laughs> horrible. <Jesus> and Christ. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, That's yeah. the other thing, too, is like I'm a big non-fan of the phrase equal opportunity offender. I hate when people say I'm an it just that's an excuse for lazy comedy. Yeah. But I'll, I'll give him a pass on based on your 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 perception of this because <laughs> at the very least he does hit ev everybody equally i guess yeah uh, although i think as usual women are going to bear most of the brunt because women women really take a hit in a lot of these i think literally in one of them um so it's just like whoo ah but yeah like I, so i said are there are there some jokes in there that i'm like i mean he talks about it she, she had long black hair down her back on her head nothing that's all i remember yeah <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, it was a, one of the nicer ones. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones I wrote down was eyes as big as saucers and underneath the cups to go with them. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I, I'll admit, I, that one actually made me giggle quite That hard. one surprised me, uh -huh. which, I mean, that's and that's part of it, yeah. of, like, when these weird little fast-paced one-liners surprise you. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought his delivery was good on what a shape, like the coastline of New Jersey. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did, also did not expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one I, I liked was she was luscious, one of the biggest lushes in town. <laughs> just oh, had yes, a nice right. yep. actual rhythm to it. Um, but it, also on the, that review site that I looked at, mm -hmm. it warned people that in our modern politically correct climate, some people not, not might not like Big Molly O'Toole. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, okay. But then it said... Because he does an Irish accent, <laughs> it's like it's actually the least offensive thing. Absolutely about this song. right, because it's uh yeah yeah it's not it's not your typical Irish cop accent either. He just kind of that you could gloss yeah. over that one. one yeah, would think, but again, to me, it doesn't feel like the intent was I hate no. Irish yeah. people, right. I hate women, I hate anyone who is overweight at all. Mm -hmm. It just feels like there are so many songs about the perfect Irish lass. Yeah, how can I subvert that? Sure, sure, and how sure. How can I subvert it? Is actively uh huh. In as aggressively as possible. So this fella walks up to me on the street and he asks for a few cents. I haven't eaten in three days, he tells me. Why not, I ask, and he replies, Me wife hocked me teeth. Ah, oh, you poor soul, I says. And then he looks at me and says, Oh, Bister, have pity, and please hear me ditty. I'm the fellow who married Big Molly O'Toole. Whenever she necks me, she practically wrecks me. She got muscles and biceps like an old army mule. Alive, alive, oh ho! I'm barely alive, oh ho! Since the day that I married Big Molly O'Toole. Ah, Molly O'Toole. That's a girl. That's what everyone asks me. That's a girl? Molly's got everything. Bad breath, lousy complexion. Eyes as big as saucers, and underneath the cups to go with them. You know, which I think is fascinating. And we can get to uh, a, a part of uh, actually uh, uh, the, this wonderful ethnic wheel uh, a little bit later on. <laughs> this ethnic roulette, as it were, uh, because it, 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 just something. Have you ever? Okay, actually, let's talk about it now. Have you been to Disneyland? Uh, no, I haven't. You've never been to Disneyland. Have, do you know what the Enchanted Tiki Room is? Yes. Okay. Have you heard the song from the Enchanted Tiki Room? No, I room? haven't. I have a CD of it. Uh, Evan Schletter was on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he was, we were just briefly talking about it. So we were talking about Spike Jones. Okay. Uh, the album that he picked was the greatest hits, and it's got it's got one song that's supposed to sound like island music, right. but it's obviously a bunch of white dudes going oop a dup a doop a dup. Like it's like okay, it's a great song, but it's like it's it it is what it is. Yeah. And um, 
he has a friend who calls the tiki room birds, the animatronic birds, the racism birds, because because they real it's as many different accents as you. It it is very much this album yeah. condensed into a bunch of birds and singing flowers. <laughs> like there's a parrot that sings like this, and then there's a like a no, there's not even a Scottish, but there's a there's a Mexican, there's a German, there's a. It's a common theme. Yeah. Where there's this like let's explore, like you said, let's kind of explore the world in this interesting way doesn't seem offensive to anybody because all we're doing is just we're talking it's just a voice uh in in terms of in terms of that but obviously he takes it to a different level by making by making these jokes but yeah. there, there's something similar to the tiki room i don't i don't know where i'm going with that but yeah no i know i know what you mean that it's mm-hmm. just that uh shifting perspective that like what this is just the way this whole group of people talks mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right right and what if they were birds all right <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Um, are there okay? So, are there any other jokes that stood out for you? No, on those that are the one? ones. Those that, are the ones that uh, just hit yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I think starting really with this one, my my psychiatrist, a lot of his like delivery had a very similar rhythm. But like sure. with Big Molly O'Toole, he started to really successfully surprise me with his delivery. Okay, and okay. I think of of anything to like really really be enjoyed in this album is just a master at different kinds of delivery of, yeah. of different kinds of lines to be both exactly what you expect them to be and really surprising. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't hear that as often because no one, the most war-torn comedian, hasn't mm. performed as much as a vaudevillian has. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love, too, when some of the songs, like, they're all done with, with enough energy to be enjoyable and interesting to listen to, but his rhythm is very frequently like, here's another one. Here's another one. Like, I got another one. But he's, yeah. like, he's, he's laid back about and it. sometimes like, that's reaching into his pocket. when he's it got is. like eight in a row. He's like, you know what? Ha. You know what? Ha. Yeah. You know what? Ha. Because he starts to take on this sort of comic rhythm of like, mm-hmm. this is merciless. This is <laughs> becoming so bad it's good. Right, right, right. And that's, an- that's another thing to, to keep in, uh, in mind, too, I think, is that, you know, there's the whole, these are all bad jokes and he knows it. So yeah. it's not like. If he doesn't take it seriously, then I think I think it translates that he doesn't feel the way you know somebody could assume. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think, and that goes back to his like the characterization of his uh, character on Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. The idea that these are disposable. Yeah. They're not precious little gems. Yeah. I have a million of them. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm a joke machine. Yeah. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. Right. It's not about. It's like, does that one work? Does that one work? Right. I don't care. I don't care. I got another. I got another. Yeah. You know. And there is something charming about that. That. Some comedians do now, like you mm-hmm. know, Mike Kaplan does that a little yeah, bit, right. and you know, and he plays the irony card a lot of commenting sure. on the quality. But it's it's fun to hear that style of comedy. Yeah, I think, that, but it's the perfect irony to have it permanently. Yeah, you know what I mean on an LP where he he knows people are going to be stuck with this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he probably liked that. He yeah. must have enjoyed that some Yeah. The next one, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the one that shocked me the most at first. I was super shocked uh, because. Yeah. Well, number one, it reminds me of a track on um, "Free to Be You and Me," uh, which is a better track, argu- arguably. It's I think Marlo Thomas and Mel Brooks yeah. being babies and talking about what their sex is, and am I a boy baby or am I? This is called "I Wonder What a Baby Thinks," mm-hmm. and it's more Amsterdam <laughs> singing and also doing a baby voice <laughs> and singing in a baby voice. <laughs> Uh, it is a real shock after Big Molly O'Toole, which is basically just like, she's a giant, abusive, drunk woman who forced me to marry her. And yep. then the next track is, babies. <laughs> and it really does have that sort of sweet and innocent tone of like, I wonder what babies think about. Right, and right. It's, it's quite gentle it's yeah. in comparison. Mm-hmm. I'm a sanitary baby. I can't even remember the punch, but just him saying I'm a sanitary yeah. baby is very weird to me. <laughs> Yeah, the ones I wrote down through that is uh, uh, I suck my thumb through a straw. Uh-huh. Mm. That was that was a weird image. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and uh, I am a baby. I am a male baby. And then there was some postman joke. Oh yes. One day I'm. One day maybe I'll play. Uh, wait. Something. I'm a ma- yeah. I'm a male baby. When I get older, I'll play postman or something. Yeah. Which must mean something. And then he laughs at his own joke. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Why I don't get the joke. I totally don't get the joke. Is it like playing doctor? I totally have no idea what play postman means. Yeah. Somebody please. Somebody will write in. Oh, absolutely. Say, uh, tell me what the fuck that joke means. <laughs> uh, but I also like that it, it was very sweet and innocent and mm-hmm. then ended with baby want Jane Mansfield. <laughs> That's right. Yes, it does end with that joke. I did like that one considerably. Uh, it was like he couldn't maintain the sweetness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That like... He had to get a little something blue in there at the yeah, end. Yeah, no comedian can. No, I mean, like, well, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not a professional comedian, but I feel like it's, it, that's all always. 
It, uh, yeah, I think you it know, is a... You always reach for that a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah. But it was weird. it's weird to have that sort of like, well, we want one track to be kind of sweet and nice mm-hmm. that you could play for your kids. Sure. And then it ends with that. <laughs> right. A joke that at the very least they wouldn't get it. Like, you know, they, they'd know a reference and they wouldn't yeah. understand what it, what it means. There's this old... I used to have a blooper tape. And the blooper tape, one of the bigger laugh moments... Uh, well, it's trying to figure out what Jane Mansfield is saying. It's an awards ceremony. Okay. But the joke was people who set up the two presenters first is jane mansfield and then up walks mickey rooney who is at nipple level yeah and that's that's just the joke for two fucking minutes <laughs> and uh sorry but that's that's what i think of every time you know we're, we're at the halfway point in the album and i wanted to ask you as i think one of the only people who's ever been on my podcast who not only has released a comedy album but has also released a comedy music album <laughs> i mean it's half of the same album yeah but and I not I, I don't want anybody to anticipate that his music, that your comedy album music comedy album is anything like this <laughs> because it's not. It's um, different. There are a lot of uh, wonderful professional musicians and a lot, yeah. a lot to the point where I got upset and jealous. <laughs> but it and it, and it's so. It, do you want do you mind talking about that just for a second? Sure. Putting together a comedy music album. Yeah, yeah. So the Flawfest album is a it's a comedy album and then a whole separate music album. And I basically asked a bunch of uh, music friends to record albums inspired by the music track mm-hmm. or yeah m- songs inspired by the comedy tracks yeah or so sometimes there's like very specific lines or mm-hmm. a real general idea sometimes there are really really specific uh reflections of the comedy track yeah um but for me i just i always perform a lot with musicians i like older vaudeville comedy where sure. comedy and music was mashed up a little bit more yeah and I, I was just really interested to mash up comedy and music in a different way, and I had never heard of anybody doing this where yeah. the music was inspired by the comedy. Yeah. Uh, and some of the songs are explicitly comedic. Sure. And others are not at all. Right, uh, yeah. I didn't really, be, besides making sure like all of the main points on the comedy album were covered by mm-hmm. songs, mm-hmm. besides that, I really didn't curate it too much. Yeah. Like, I, for the most part, just got the songs... A couple of the the musicians checked in with me more. Okay. Like uh, Kevin Murphy from uh, Rift Tracks, mm-hmm. Mr. Science Theater, kind of like, he's like, hey, I think I'm going to do this. And like, great. Yeah. Uh, and, but like uh, John Roderick, um, great Seattle-based musician who's running for Seattle yes. City government now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he got it in just right under the wire. And like, and he's, that's part of his shtick is like, he's a maverick. He is not to be controlled. Right, so right, right. I was really happy that he agreed to do it. Sure. Uh, and he agreed on the title, and was just like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever. And like, yes, I, I know <laughs> right. that. I know what. I, of course, I knew what I was getting into when I asked you to do this, John. That's just fine. Um, I, the what's great too, though, is that like, there's enough anticipation that Mr. Suckface is a great payoff too. Because awesome. Mr. Suckface is so. Play. Yeah, it's just just buy the fucking album, people. It's good God, it's one of the most ridiculous. Like just that whole the whole Mister Suck. Like I've got a whole podcast about the dumb shit I wrote as a kid. Yeah. Like and so just listening to like oh this is so pleasant. Oh good, it's so pleasant. Like it's also but not in a like oh isn't it funny he's being tortured by his own stuff. That's what I do to myself. I'm like no he really appreciates <laughs> he appreciates that he had a heart as yeah. a child and I I, I love that awesome. and that that's kind of like that I think it ties in perfectly with the sweetness with the also the weirdness because it's about sex question mark yeah yeah how old were you when you wrote that again i think i was like 14 <laughs> yeah i mean it's i didn't awesome. i knew enough to get laughs off of yeah. sexual references but yeah. not enough to understand <laughs> and track logically that that does that makes no sense mm-hmm. yes those words both have to do with sex but those actions don't go together <laughs> ah just listen to it it's, yeah. it's, it's worth it was listening yeah to. It, was, it was great fun and i was really happy with how the music turned out that a lot of the songs not all of them but a lot of the songs are totally listenable to if you have never oh, listened yeah. to the album a couple of them are like you don't really get what that song's about if you haven't sure, listened to the album but, but some of them are good. great yeah and uh molly lewis has is really great uh on in her live show she does the song that she did a lot which mm-hmm. is a complex thing about chopping people in the butt because of a <laughs> james bond video game that's right and she's yeah. got her explanation of that <laughs> down to like three sentences and the audience is on board it's really impressive it seems that long noses run in my family my aunt sadie had what they call a button nose that was a trouble, it buttoned to her chin. And my uncle Cedric had the biggest nose you've ever seen. He used to use a bedsheet for a handkerchief. I think his nose was born and his body grew on. It wasn't only long, it was wide. My aunt said when she kissed him, it was like driving into a two-car garage. His nose was so big, he was the only guy in town who could smoke a cigar under the shower. He took a trip to Europe once, stuck his head out the porthole, and turned the boat around. 
Well, when he was one year old, his mother rented him out for a vacuum cleaner. People used to put him face down on the rug and have him inhale, but they had to cut that out too. He started inhaling the rugs. And when he went to college, he was quite a boy. All the other kids had their noses buried in their books. He had the books buried in his nose. He was quite an athlete too, but he got into trouble on account of his nose. One day he was running down a football field, tripped, landed on his nose, and pole vaulted 87 feet. I cleaned that up from an old honeymoon joke. That is, that is the only way, that, that might be the only acceptable way to use somebody else's material. They yeah. ask you to make something based off of it. You made a whole new thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? The only like, good way to cover comedy is to yeah. like, build something new out of it. Because, yeah, it's you can't really do somebody it, else's bit. That gives me a very good idea. I've talked to two or three people on the podcast about, we've had the same idea. We're like, wouldn't it be fun to, to some people have been like, why can't a comedian cover another comedian if they credit? I'm like, I think it'd be fun to do a show where you cover other yeah. comedians. However, I think it would be fun to do it in that way yeah musically some or some other reinvention, way reinvention yeah, exactly reinterpretation somebody's got an idea about that hit me up yeah. you will I know you'll do it let's let's skip to side B yeah of the next one will kill you by Maury Amsterdam we've got alright this is good this is this is a not, a not a long one there are two long ones on this side yeah. there are only four tracks on this whole side <laughs> of the album uh, did, by the way were there any skips in the recording I sent you I think there was like there was one like little one. one, yeah, one little hiccup. But honestly, it's like charming. What was really funny is just listening to this right before you got here. I was having a bit of a shit fit over something minor, and yeah. it kept skipping on Maury Amsterdam saying, "I'm a baby, I'm a baby," <laughs> and it was just like torturing me. It was pr- I'm like, "All right, you're right. I need he to calm down." Commenting upon you uh-huh. from the beyond. It was brilliant. It was so perfect. <laughs> so this next, okay, uh, track number one on side two or side. Wait, it's side two on here. It's side two on the record and side B on the sleeve. That oh, hurts weird. my brain. This is not a collector's item, but I wanted to pretend it was for a second. Uh, man's best friend is his nose. Yeah, this one was definitely the most challenging <laughs> for me uh-huh. in that, uh, you know, he covers some things that are sort of fascinating to me about mm-hmm. the time period, like psychiatrists and yeah. sort of is, you know, being Irish, sure. doing an Irish song. Is that just a standard thing you're going to do? Uh-huh. Uh, but then just like, I don't need three minutes of obscure, bizarre, surreal nose jokes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what was it? Something about buttoning or I can't. I wish I could remember any of the damn jokes. Do you have any written down uh, there? That are... I didn't write down any of the sort of generic nose jokes okay. because there. Well, but there was one that he had about uh, a nose being so big that he vaulted over, like he was going in to like kiss a woman and he vault accidentally vaulted because of his nose being <laughs> oh like God. a pole. Okay, yeah. and then he added like I cleaned that one up from a honeymoon joke. <laughs> That's what it was. Okay, I only heard half of that joke previously. Yeah, so, so basically it was clearly like uh-huh. I'm creating the image that I tried to get to this woman, but <laughs> something was too big, so I pole vaulted over her. Uh-huh. And at first it just sounds like a really dumb nose joke, uh-huh. and then he can't <laughs> help himself but to add, by the way, that should be a dick joke, guys. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's so fantastic. Like Again, there's those these little, we have a cat emerging from underneath a couch. Hi. I feel like I'm giving birth to a cat. Came out between my legs. It's fantastic. Hi, Lilo. Um, <laughs> God, I yeah. Somehow I that 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 one totally slipped by me uh, when I was listening to it originally. Yeah, there's also a really weird reference to a Sinatra song. Really? Okay. It, kind of a, a bizarre. So, there's a bit where he suddenly starts kind of speak singing. Okay. Yeah. 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 The dawn comes up like thunder. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's that kind of thing of like out of context. If you had no idea of the context, it's just what are you talking about? Uh huh. But Sinatra uh, did a song based on the Rudyard Kipling poem. Ah. That was orchestrated by Billy May, big bombastic mm-hmm. thing that was really over the top, and they just decided to end it kind of halfway through because they just thought it was cool okay. and weird. Uh-huh. And it ends with the dawn came up like thunder, and then there's a <laughs> gong crash. And wow! It's just, and the song's just over, which no. is uh, very weird and rare. Uh, but Rudyard Kipling's family wasn't happy with it and fought him on using the song a bunch. Really. Really? So I didn't know if, like, is this, like, a really deep reference to lawsuits? <laughs> right, yeah. Back in the day? That's crazy. Yeah. That's not only meta, but it's also very, like, it's very modern in terms of there's a lot of recognition humor. Like, yeah. I'll just say a thing. Hey, you guys know who Boba Fett is. I'm going to just say Boba Fett, and you'll yeah. get the joke somehow. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's I obscure don't know to me, just... but at the time, was it obscure? I guess probably not. I don't 63? think so. Yeah. yeah, I think the song was relatively popular. The album was popular. Yeah. You know, so who knows? But other than that, it is three minutes of nose jokes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think 
it, anytime you come on, I don't think we're going to miss a Rat, rat Pack reference. No. Are we? That's good. That's good. <laughs> that makes me happy. Um, uh, next one is called Drunks Inc. or Drunks Incorporated. Yes. Uh, Seven minutes long. Yeah. And that, this was by far my favorite uh-huh. that I would probably go back and listen to. Okay. For a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. It's I like drunk jokes. Sure. Uh, and also it's narrative. Mm-hmm. That's like, true, yeah. Even though it is a bunch of one-liners, it is the story of one guy on this epic, epic drunk binge. Mm-hmm. And his wife's attempts to get him to come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his failure at doing so. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's the there's the the one bit that I feel like stood out might not even been the best joke but it just stood out because it, it lasted so long is about him trying to order food trying yes. to order a bun coffee in a bun we don't have buns uh, all right then I'll have a tea in a bun you don't understand we don't have buns all right then fine if it's gonna be that way I'll just have a bun like it's <laughs> a good gag yeah yeah I like the line uh, uh uh, he's so drunk he can't lift his head up. All right, give me a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of just sort of culturally shocking, uh, there's the part where the wife convinces him to come home on the phone. And he says, okay, well, then get the kids off the street because I'm driving. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, the, just the casual drink-drive joke. Holy shit. Yeah, there's, a, there's another earlier one that's... A, just kind of a play on drunk driving mm-hmm. on like wordplay with it yeah but this is the one of just like again getting back to that sort of this is a wholesome family-friendly <laughs> album where he says literally i'm so drunk i might murder the children with the car get them out of the street <laughs> like i mean I, obviously there's any good comedian is gonna have uh is is, is not condoning <laughs> drinking and driving but it's just the casualness with which it's thrown out. Yeah. The same as, like, if if you made a, you know, not that he would necessarily, but if you made a wife-beating joke casually. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you might hear. It's just, it's so, again, doesn't, same thing now, as now, any any comedian can say what they like, because you can't, it'd be stupid to assume they mean everything they say. Yeah. There are characters involved, but... I guess it says more just but like, I well, think that's part of it. The yeah. sort of how explicit is there that there's a character involved? Because sure. I think for more Amsterdam, like we've talked about yeah. in, in his era, there's agreed upon mm-hmm. pretty firmly agreed upon. This is his drunk bit. Yeah. He's doing the yeah. drunk bit. He's not, he doesn't mean that. Sure. Yeah. And then I think in a lot mm-hmm. of modern comedy, especially with like Louis CK being the King, mm-hmm. there's so much that's confessional. Sure. That sure. then I think it leads to things like the more recent Amy Schumer blow up mm-hmm. where she's saying, well, I do a set where sometimes I say things I mean and sometimes I'm playing a dumb blonde. Yeah, right, right, right. And that that's fascinating to me of like that cultural agreement of when something's coming from a character right. or not. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and it's I've, a mess right now. I oh, think, for culturally. sure. Yeah. But back then, probably pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It, which, which is, I guess, maybe excuse... I don't know if it excuses, but maybe explains the whole, well, it's a, it's a fucking joke, get over it. Yeah. Uh, I don't like being politically correct, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, I, being the sensitive idiot that I am, like, I'm, a, I'm fine with political correctness. I'm just not fine with censorship, which is a, it, which is a fine line to walk. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, that's yeah. a really good point. I don't it think it's as challenging now. as people make it. People sure, rattle no. the saber about no. censorship, and they're not being censored yet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All it is is you say something, <laughs> a bunch of people say, I don't like that. Yeah. And then you can either stop saying that thing or you can mm-hmm. keep saying that thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole conversation. Yeah. I like to turn it around on thoughtfulness. Like, I mean, I would prefer if you're going to be, if you're going to make a, a joke, let's, let's, let's be obvious why you're making the joke. Yeah. You don't have to be. But I, I'm more interested in a comedian who puts thought into everything they say. Yeah. And I, to me, I feel like either you're making a point with a joke mm-hmm. or you're just doing something anything to get a laugh sure either you agree with what you're saying or mm-hmm. you have the ethos of like i will say anything to get a laugh yeah and more amsterdam so it seems so clearly like yeah anything for a laugh whatever percent 100 percent. this isn't oh i don't mean that no i mean i believe that he loves drinking and driving as much as i believe he has a giant nose right I mean, it seems like yeah. the same level yeah. of commitment that's absolutely to both true of those premises mm-hmm. um and also i think like you know the drunk just used to be a character yeah. And, like, everybody knew one. For sure. Just like, oh, sure, that, oh, that, that was like Uncle Bob. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's. Is there is there anybody out there that you know of who does anything remotely... Is there anybody who tries a throwback that's... Because there are one-liner... I mean, Jim Hamilton's a great one-liner comic. Yeah. There are plenty of great one-liner, but a one-liner is not the same thing as a joke comic. Yeah. Does it exist now? 
because maybe, but I'm I'm not aware of it. I think in terms of like that pace and that patter, you know, I think of Mike Kaplan. Sure, but Mike. But right. he also does bits that I think are are about his life. He's mm-hmm. just doing it that way. Right. I mean, that I think Emo Phillips is still committed to. Yeah, that's true. That character, whether or not that character just is him. Sure. Uh, <laughs> whether it was in the '80s and he has become that, or just is that right. now, right. there is an you know endless commitment to that character. Mm-hmm. For sure. Suddenly, out of all his drunken haze, he remembers he has a wife and family. Now he hasn't been home in about six months. He calls his wife. This is now about four o'clock in the morning. He says, "Oh, honey, what you got for dinner tonight?" She says, "Oh, rats." He says, "Only cook half. I ain't coming home." She says, "You better come home, or I'll trace this call. I'll find you. I'll fracture your skull." He says, all right, honey, don't get mad, I'll come right home. Get the kids off the street, I'm driving. She says, where are you? He says, I don't know. She says, you sure? He says, no, I haven't the faintest idea where I am. She says, well, run outside and look at the street sign. So he runs out and looks at the street sign, he comes back, he says, hello, honey. She says, I know where I am now. I'm on the corner of walk and don't walk. Goes out, naturally he can't find his car. Lives out in the suburbs, so he gets on a little local train. Realizes he's pretty well slopped up, has a growth of beard about three weeks long. So he borrows a razor, shaving cream, and a mirror, goes in the men's room, hangs a mirror up on the wall, lathers up his face. Just as he starts to shave, he drops the razor. As he leans down to pick up the razor, the train lurches and the mirror falls off the wall. He stands up, looks at the blank wall, and says, Oh my God, I cut my head off. But yeah, I don't know. I can't think of a lot of other people who are. Um, there's a guy in L.A. Uh, named, I think, Jay London, mm-hmm. who does a lot of good, just set up, knock down, very, okay. you don't expect mm-hmm. the surprise twist at the end of the joke kind of thing. Sure. Or some of the ones that are just the sort of meta, like, this is an unbelievably, impressively bad joke. Yeah. Like, yeah. not just a dad joke, uh-huh. but like this sort of like <laughs> the dad joke that your dad wishes he could think of that mm-hmm. is, Yeah. This is a time period, too, when, like, being, it was just part of your nature, part of your, it was part of your skill set to have that encyclopedic knowledge of not only your own jokes, but everybody else's. Like, Emo, I heard him on, maybe you made it weird, some live podcast, where they said, oh, you know, you did this joke, blah, 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 and fucking verbatim pulls it out of his ass. Like, he knows his shit. He's got, must be a photographic memory. Yeah. Uh, like, and then my, my best friend just, he mailed me a birthday package of stuff. One of them was Milton Berle's joke book, which this fucking thick, that, like <laughs> mo- 99% of it unusable, you know, yeah. like you, you, I'm sure he used them once, you yeah. know, did, uh, did you write jokes as a kid? Like when you were first realizing you wanted to be funny? You, no, no? jokes ever? always seemed like, like obvious, yeah. you know, okay. and, and I think uh, all of my comedy started from trying to write characters and having sort of honest character moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And I miss joke jokes. I like joke jokes. Sure. Um, But I think in in the modern context of comedy, they're dangerous. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's hard to figure out exactly when the audience is in the mood for a joke joke, just a setup, knockdown. Of course, that's the punchline, and it's Mm -hmm. gratifying uh, versus that... I think I said this when I was on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Like, I just we're living in such an "I see what you did there" culture, yeah. Where if people can detect the construction of the joke, sure. Um, so I think that's why anybody who does this rat-a-tat-tat style does it with a little bit of acknowledgement of yeah. like the part of the charm of this is that it is dancing back and forth between being brilliant and awful. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> that's where he he can call it out in his own way, but it's not. It's not self-aware the whole time, or at least yeah. doesn't come across. I kind of feel way. like that's what the t- I feel like that's what the title me- of the album means. Of the next one will kill you. Yeah, is right. The either the next one that joke wasn't good, but the next one will be sure interpretation. Or, or. you've endured eighty of these. <laughs> yeah. The eighty-first is just going to make you pick this record up and throw it across the room. Yeah, that's <laughs> a really good point. I I would be curious if anybody could pull off anything like this, though. Again, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is a thing that anybody would be... Nobody would be interested in doing it, but I wonder if anybody could pull it off. Yeah. This musical mixed with jokes. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Um, I'm working on a, like a little holiday EP, because I have a, a couple of different like holiday things mm-hmm. that I've written. Uh, and they're not, uh, they're not stand-up. They're like little stories or okay. sort of parodies uh, set to music. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, so I'll... That'll be interesting to see how that turns out, if it yeah. turns out. But it is, these are almost like songs, like, where the verses are jokes. Sure. And then there's a random chorus. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> a very random chorus. Uh-huh. 
Do you have any more? Were there any more drunk jokes that were in there that, that we didn't? Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I like the leaning up against the lamppost, watching the curb go by. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was just like a set up knockdown joke. Mm-hmm. That is like, you know, I have been in that place in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is a person who enjoys alcohol from time to time. Uh-huh. I have been in that that place. And, <laughs> yeah, and I really, I just like the. Uh, I think it also was just a nice juxtaposition of. The idea of kind of leaning up against the lamppost has a little bit of that sort of like, I don't really care what's going on, sure. sort of Rat Pack cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, true. Uh, one of Sinatra's most famous albums is literally him leaning up against the right. lamppost, you know. So the the juxtaposition of like, yeah, I'm standing around looking cool, mm-hmm. but really I'm just trying to not fall over. Right. Yeah. I feel like what's kind of what's kind of great about I'm glad you picked this. I'm glad I bought it, of course, but I'm glad you picked it because it gives me... It solidifies who Maury Amsterdam is a little more in my brain, even though yeah. it's throwaways. Like, I'm just like, shit, this guy had two albums. He is, there is, like you said, there's kind of this odd coolness about him. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked up on any of the Rat Pack references if you hadn't mentioned them. And I don't I don't think I would have associated the two, but now <clears throat> I sort of feel like it's kind of inseparable. There's there's something oddly chill about yeah. Maury Amsterdam. Yeah. I think it's... I, I like that. You know, I just think almost all of the entertainers, you know, you have to get into the 70s before, and even really the 80s, before people are not influenced by vaudeville. Sure. Where there isn't a sense of being very, very performative mm-hmm. for an audience, mm-hmm. that you are always performing, not casually talking to people. <laughs> right, right. And the the constant desire to mix music and comedy, too, mm-hmm. that comes out of vaudeville. Yeah. And that if you're good at one thing then, hey, we might be able to make some money out of you doing this sure. bit, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 there are a lot of albums that came out like this after this that were a lot more cynical because they were, let's pay back the IRS records, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And that's why I like this is because it doesn't feel like that. It just does feel like, I, 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 you, you wouldn't necessarily call this artistic expression, but you definitely would call it expression because it's like, I do have these things. I, I got some jokes I like. I yeah. would like to tell him and put him on a fucking record. So let's have yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like an extension of what he had, you know, probably become popular and known for in mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. Of like, here, if you like like the five minutes we get to spend with Maury Amsterdam and yeah. Dick Van Dyke, here is like mm-hmm. pure, <laughs> concentrated, uncut <laughs> Maury Amsterdam. I, that's, this, that's another curiosity, too, is like, I, I want to know what kind of people were buying this. I, I mean, obviously, fans of the Dick Van Dyke show, because who else really knew who he was, probably, at the time. But yeah, it, it's interesting, because uh, it, it probably would have sold to the same audience that bought the, the first family, which is my only reason I say that is one of the reasons I say that Dick Van Dyke was so popular is that he and he and Laura, or Mary Tyler Moore, kind of resembled the Kennedys. They yeah. had that similar look, that similar feel, same kind of middle-class white folk, I yeah. feel, you know? Yeah, but at the time, sort of young and inheriting oh, 100%, the yeah. world, yeah, mm-hmm. coming and, into their own kind of thing. And then this tiny little guy, which uh, there's just something really charming about. Yeah, you know? older, world weary. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but it must have been relatively popular since it is since you can find it for I mean, sure. Yeah, and I mean, it got a release I mean, on on CD too. Yeah, two thousand nine. Wow. Yeah, so you can get this on CD, folks. This is not <laughs> one of those rarities that, like, somebody thought it was good enough to, and then a guy who usually writes for Rolling Stone did the fucking liner notes on the CD. Oh wow. Yeah. So, and I I also contacted that guy because I want to know what he thought of this fucking yeah. thing. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it, it's because it's fun because you could I think easily just think of this as a throwaway, a cute throwaway, but. Like you know, there, there's there's obviously a lot to it. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Yeah, like, I mean, you know? In a, you know, a different world. Like, what if this was like the breakthrough album instead of Bob Newhart? Yeah, you know, where oh, like absolutely. everybody decided, like, oh man, now that Maury Amsterdam crushed it, everybody's got to do comedy with the musical back, and you yeah. have to do a random chorus <laughs> in the middle of your bit. Yeah, what the fuck would comedy be? Like, yeah. that's yeah, that's a really good point. Um, all right, so the next one we've got a regular pop length song yeah. called "Baby Down the Drain." Yeah. <laughs> And I, I feel like the uh, album for me climaxed during the, you know, seven-minute drunk narrative that uh-huh. I actually legitimately liked a lot of, to the point where, like, Baby Down the Drain is like, okay. Because <laughs> now it's sort of a Cockney voice. Yeah. It seemed to be mocking sort of the Cockney yeah, novelty song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I have a whole album of Cockney novelty songs, by the way. Do you really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have not listened to it yet either. That's okay. one of those that I want to listen is to. Is it by a well-known person, or is it just... She is. She was an actress whose name is totally escaping me right now, okay. but you've seen her in things from the 60s, I guarantee okay. you. But yeah, all Cockney, which I want to know how they compare to whatever the fuck this was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, that must have been making fun of just kind of a song of the time. Sure. The same way that the Molly O'Toole one was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is just literally about a baby going down a drain. Uh-huh. So, yeah, both sides have a baby song. Uh-huh. One sweet and nice, and that is about it being accidentally <laughs> I, I guess down the drain, I, I think. I hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the only line I wrote down was, the chlorine is good for his little eyes. <laughs> And I didn't know if that was meant, ironically or not. Right. If they if they honestly thought that the chlorine was good for a baby's eyes at that yeah, point. Yeah. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. It's like it's good to, you know, wash your hair with asbestos or, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's so many things. Yeah. Let's um, eat some Agent Orange. Yeah. Yum. Uh, okay. So here's the one that. I guess it's appropriate that it's at the end. It's the one I wanted to avoid talking about yeah. the most, if that's okay. Is mostly because all the other characterizations are of uh, people who are white. Yes. Uh, these are not white folk. No. We're talking about. It's called onions. Uh, it's also almost seven minutes long. It's six and a half minutes yeah. long. Yeah. And it is uh, a south of the border song, which is, to be fair, a popular theme at the time. Yep. But that's as fair as I'm going to really get, because <laughs> it's no south of the border. No. No, it's not. <laughs> Which uh, is a great song. Yeah. And it, much shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And there, I mean, there are some funny jokes in it and some different delivery. Sure. But yeah, but at that point, it does just feel like more of the same, but with more <laughs> upsetting generalizations. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, just to give you guys, you'll I'll probably throw a clip in here, but... It's more Amsterdam doing a Mexican accent. Uh, voice. Let's call it a voice. Voice, yeah. Uh, Mexican voice. He's not terribly committed. He's to not. Mexico. Beautiful Mexico. Down in Mexico they have got food and weather and both is hot. Very famous for quick divorce. Is also famous for natural resources And you find the principal commodity Everywhere you go, everything you see is always Onions and enchiladas, onions and enchiladas Mexico, beautiful Mexico Ah, si amigos, Mexico is beautiful place I think the weather in Mexico is not only hot, it's dry it's very dry. It's so dry I do not brush my teeth. I dust them off. No, no, no. It's it's very. It sounds almost exactly actually like the Mexican sounding bird, at the, <laughs> which is why I think of it, because he does talk like this. I'm not exaggerating. That's yeah. exactly the voice. Um, but there's let's see. There's a lazy Mexican joke in here. There's uh, Hispanic women will steal your husband uh, joke in yeah. here. Uh, they're money grubbing. It's not. It doesn't. <laughs> the things that I'm singling out are the worst sounding things. It doesn't sound mean, but it is really misogynistic and racist. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's hard to pull anything out of there. That uh, the, my favorite part is. Well, I just thought it was odd that he has an un, a non named person doing sort of call and response jokes with him. Yes, which he doesn't do anywhere else in the album. Right. So there was a weird sudden variety. Yeah. Um. But it was also weird because, like, you don't really need that no. because they, somebody else was just offering the setup lines right. and he was doing the punchlines in the same way that he had been doing the whole album. Yeah. But then he does one joke and then the unnamed setup person says, that is an old joke. And he, Maury Amsterdam says, well, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, that was one of the things that made me laugh the most, <laughs> sincerely, and also with the, the perspective that we're talking from. Mm-hmm. Like, he's getting to the end of this seven-minute track on yeah. this, you know, very short time-wise, but sort of long-feeling album. Sure, yeah. Because of all the similarities. Mm-hmm. The, and, and just also, it, it seemed to me the place where he most embraced that sort of, this is a part of that style, that it's abusive, that that's what's funny about it. Sure. That these are the same jokes. I'm going to pound you, pound you, pound you, pound you. I just made eight jokes about bulls yeah. in a row. Right. Uh, in bullfighting. And, <laughs> and then that nice admission of, like, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> right, 100%. That's, that's what I got. Right. I, I'm the human joke machine, and I'm winding down. 
<laughs> right at the end of the album. I, I want to know how quickly they recorded this. Because my, my guess is they couldn't have done more than one or two sessions of each. each. Oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're not the Beatles. We, we, we don't need to perfect this. No. We've got our studio musicians who are probably geniuses. And I'm sure a lot of these jokes are jokes that he had been telling oh, for years. Been. Yeah. Probably just adapted to like, oh, well, this one could be a Mexican joke. This yeah. One, you know, this could be an Irish joke. Because they're, they're, they're mostly... Outside, if you if you pulled the if you pulled any ethnicity away from them, they'd be pretty standard issue jokes about yeah. a guy or a lady. Yeah, and every once in a while, like you were saying, he does have a little self-knowing laugh, mm-hmm. very quiet and not often. Yeah. But like back in that nose song, that's yeah, that's one when yeah. he says, you know, I cleaned that up from an old honeymoon joke. Mm-hmm. That sounds really honest, like he really did. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I need one more joke in this nose section. Mm-hmm. I got a dick joke. I'll mm-hmm. make it work. Mm-hmm. And he's got a couple too, where it might be in that song too, where he's like. I thought at first he was joking about struggling to get it out, but I feel like he actually was. He actually did find it funny enough that it's like, no, nah, this is a good one. I remember this one fondly. <laughs> There's two where he's like, kind of like laughing through them to get them out. Yeah. That, that I found really charming. And that's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. I think it makes, you know, that whole very, I am performing for an audience style, ladies and gentlemen, I am a performer style yeah. that he has, that makes it fun when he does have little human moments. Sure. Um, is there anything, like, after listening to this, how many times do you get to listen to it? Just the once? Just or, once, yeah. Okay. After listening to it, is there anything that this, like, brings to mind of other stuff that you've listened to at the time, to- like, ever? Because I'm trying to think of anything I can compare this to. Well, here's the really weird thing that it reminded me of. Uh-huh. Uh, was there was a sh- sort of shift, I want to say, in, like, 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. where maybe other people did this, but I think Eminem, the rap artist, uh-huh. had that sort of epiphany of, if I do a rap song, but then the chorus is a really awesome, easy to sing along with hook, yeah, sung by like Rihanna or Pink, mm-hmm. then it gets so much more radio play. Sure, because you can't rap along. That's part of the skill of rapping. Yeah. Not everyone can rap along, mm-hmm. but you can sure sing along. Sure, and it was just weird to me that that was basically the structure of this. Of the, that's a good point. You can't keep up with these more Amsterdam jokes but then there's a fun chorus that you can bop along to that's a really good point yeah it's a very weird connection to M&M make that's honestly Maury what I, Amsterdam. <laughs> M&M to Maury Amsterdam that is the fucking greatest thing I've ever heard <laughs> there that, is a connection that makes me so happy speaking of which did you see Eminem being interviewed by Colbert on that thing that he did no I didn't he took over a small town public access show in Michigan <laughs> he did the whole show himself interview the ladies who normally host it and his big interview was with Eminem wow who played offended and but was finally I'm like oh I kind of like Eminem now like he was actually like like every time he was pissed or annoyed like I was like oh he's actually acting he's actually yeah. That's good. He's uh, not the big dick that I thought he was, or at least not anymore. No, I that's think not, he's. I think he's calmed down a little bit. That's good. Yeah. See if kid, he's got kids, right? Yeah. Does that settle. That settles you down a little bit. <laughs> I want to see. Okay, can we challenge Eminem to do an album just like this? I'm sure we could. Because that would be amazing. <laughs> Holy fuck! I mean, please maybe avoid the ethnic jokes, but like, yeah. let's try and. He doesn't have the greatest track record there, poor. No. Poor Eminem. Say say what you like about your mom. I know you don't like her. Like, <laughs> but. If it's 45 minutes of not liking your mom, I'd listen to it. That's fine. That's you know? fine. Yeah, I would love to hear hear modern comedians sort of take this tack because I think there are mm-hmm. a lot of uh, modern comedians who do like music a lot. Sure. You know, I think uh, like uh, Paul F. Tompkins' collaboration with yeah. Evan Schletter. Uh, I think it would be it would be really fun to see somebody like Paul F. Tompkins do like an album like this, where like oh, yeah. the music never goes away. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we, that's that's actually something a good point since it's not live as bad as any of the jokes are the music and the consistency of it is very forgiving yeah i feel like you can get away with a lot more and play a lot more and i've committed to the album you committed to buy it or listen to it yeah like it's uh it is it's very forgiving i think you can do more right it feels like fills those gaps where the audience should be giving some energy Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean it's it's not dissimilar again because did you have when you when you did Flawfest live did you have any of those other songs played did you have a li- like a full show or was it no no okay uh, when, so when we recorded it uh, Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy did right open opened for it so oh, that's they awesome. did so Bill did his song about James Bond <laughs> and they did their uh, they do a Game of Thrones parody song that's really really funny that's awesome okay uh, where they give the theme song to the show lyrics which is that's awesome. great <laughs> except for now I can't watch the show without hearing their <laughs> their lyrics of course. Uh, yeah, so there was a little bit of an element of music to it mm-hmm. to the actual evening. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I really do like the combination of them, and I 
interested in how they can intersect more. Sure. Well, I, I, I think that just needs to happen. Let's just make that happen. Awesome. Um, okay, so I think we, we've made the argument for why to give this a listen. That's easy enough. Since it didn't inspire any either of us, like I think it's just easy enough to say, give it a listen. You can get it on CD. It's probably very cheap. Yeah. Um, what do you have to promote? Uh, it's coming up. I am... Uh, well, I don't know how... How soon this podcast will go out? Next week. Next week. Uh-huh. Uh, I will have just done a show here in Los Angeles, so mm-hmm. there's no point in that. Uh, I'll be at DragonCon as a guest. Oh, okay. I'll be doing uh, some comedy shows in a live episode of my podcast, Obsessed, uh-huh. uh, which is on Feral Audio. Uh, and then right from DragonCon, uh, I'm going on tour with a show called Nerd Night Out. Okay. And that will be with Molly Lewis and my mm-hmm. friends, the Double Clicks. Oh, okay. Uh, more music and comedy sure. <laughs> combination because they uh, they do music, but they do a lot of funny music, both Molly and the Double Clicks. And then I do stand up, and then we do a bunch of sort of a somewhat improvised shtick together. That's awesome. Yeah, so that will be on the East Coast, and you can find out all about that on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Sweet. Twitter is just at Joseph. At Joseph Scrimshaw, yeah. Easy I enough. try to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good. Um, well, thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you. This is great. Thank you for fucking picking this album. There's so many <laughs> albums that like I'm never gonna get to listen to unless somebody's like, "Can I listen to that one?" Because it just yeah. it's not gonna happen. I've always loved him on Dick Van Dyke, and yeah. you know, I was initially I was bummed because I was wanted to hear it with a live audience. Right. What was that recording like? Right. But this ended up being really weird and cool. I wonder if he did ever perform any of this, like in, in this format. Why like, would he with like an act with actual musical backing? Maybe a little bit, yeah, but, but not as. Yeah, there isn't room for laughter. There isn't it's room true. to play the audience. That's true. The way yeah. he's doing it. Yeah. So yeah, not only forgiving, but there's you're right. There's not the room for the material. Yeah. But about but about but about it's it's worth listening to just for that. Yeah. It's, it's impressive, like that this guy's brain worked that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think there are a lot of you know writers who probably are still very much like that, but they don't perform like this. They just do, not just do, but they do stand-up. They do yeah. the kind of stand-up any other stand-up would do nowadays. They're not going to co- throw up anything they would throw up in a writer's room yeah. on, you know, onto a stage. Unless you were like Harris Whittles, who I feel like <laughs> I feel like did a lot of that on, on stage. Like That's one guy who maybe makes me think of that. Yeah. Uh, and a guy who I really wish I'd gotten to meet, but like very much like, I'm going to say the dumbest shit you know he would go on comedy bang bang and read out of his phone like the worst jokes that he had ever written yeah and i think that's awesome <laughs> I, I find that impressive it takes yeah. balls i do really like the energy of that style of comedy mm-hmm. and maury amsterdam does it great of mm-hmm. just that relentless energy is really cool when a lot of the current style of stand-up is to take big long pauses and just go oh what else guys you know <laughs> yeah, what else it, that's that's a style and that's great <laughs> sure. that's the a style that's really popular right uh-huh. now you know nothing against it in particular yeah but it is cool and refreshing to hear somebody who is just sort of like i am here for the audience this is all about you so i will not stop i will not stop i will not stop 